A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And hooray, I am your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about making friends at work in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up. So, I wanted to talk to you today about the literary treasure that is Chuck Tingle. Okay, I have... Have you... I don't think I know what Chuck Tingle is. You have not heard of Chuck Tingle. Alright, Chuck Tingle is a, uh authorial powerhouse who was nominated for the 2016 Hugo Awards... As a joke by an online troll community of, uh, well, online troll community. Yeah. He is a hyper niche, absolutely crazy ass gay erotica author. <laughs> well, with titles, my language. titles such as My Billionaire Triceratops Craves Gay Ass. <laughs> oh, the perennial classic. <laughs> Pounded by President Bigfoot. <laughs> and Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Wow, so I'm seeing a decent pattern here of, like, cryptozoological... Cryptozoological uh, ass fiends? Yes, cryptozoological ass fiends. I, I mean, I, I, I get that... I get that's weird, but it's an underserved market, and obviously it, it is. I mean, he has seen the opportunity and is <laughs> he has seen the opening, if if you will, uh, and he is filling it. He he uh, the the thing that he's that I sort of came you know it wasn't during my my usual jaunts uh, into the dark places of the internet, right? But he has started writing um, about children's novels, <laughs> children's books. <laughs> Um, it, it basically stuff, uh, on anthropomorphic either objects or concepts. Uh, like the so well-hung lamp. Or... Some of his later works include, I'm gay for my living billionaire jet plane. Oh, Christ. There's an anime about that, so it's not... Pounded by the gay color-changing dress... Wait, is that a second title that has that just says "pounded by something"? Yeah, that's kind of his. That's kind of I think one of his things. Uh, and then some of his crowning achievements are "pounded in the butt by my own butt." <laughs> and, and then like "pounded in the butt by my book," "pounded in the butt by my own butt" by Chuck Tingle. <laughs> God, why? So this is the worst of the purple prose, but he's become something of like, uh, I guess, an internet touchstone. 
uh, just because his stuff is so crazy that it's obviously not meant to be taken seriously in any way, shape, right. or form. And, it, and the, the writing is truly atrocious. I was about to say that my next question is, how's the writing? Oh, it, it is purple and terrible all the way down. Like, it, it's not necessarily readable. It's more, I think, joke fiction. Which was why, like, it was intended to be an insult to the awards that this troll community had essentially thrown the vote and gotten this guy put up for the war the award. Right. Um, but then he he kind of, you know, ran with it. Uh, so, I mean, is this kind of like uh, Halle Berry showing up to receive her own Razzie type of level? Like, like he's really leaned, in, leaned into it, even though it wasn't actually like... Like, you're not supposed to receive your Razzie in person. It's supposed to be, let's all make fun of them while they're not here. But then when they show up, it's like, oh, we can't really do the stuff we were going to do because it's really mean about you. <laughs> I, I guess so. I don't want to live in this world anymore, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious that that he's doing this but i i just have to hope that it's really just kind of one of those things where uh you you release it into the ethos but or into the ether but nobody actually partakes of it but oh no derek there's a there's a giant cult following now okay so is it one of those things where where they buy it for the goof and then they stay for 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 the butt pounding or is this like 100% anybody, goof i think it's 100% goof i don't think anybody's here for the uh quote unquote erotic writing <laughs> uh having witnessed it like it's uh i mean it's definitely like explicit this is not something you want to i don't know read to your grandmother or anything so how how long are these works are we talking like you know, a pamphlet size, or are we talking like two to three, two to three hundred pages of of low quality smut? Uh, no, I think they're short story length. I, I will admit I haven't read many of them, um, but most <laughs> most of it seems to be. I mean, so I have to said, do my research, Derek. I was about to say, you said I will have to admit, as if like that was a bad thing that you had only read a few of them. Um, I mean, you know, journalistic integrity aside, like there are not, there, there's not a lot of room in my head and I don't want to fill it with, with Chuck Tingle <laughs> literature. That That's not my go-to, I think. <laughs> and I swear to Christ, Frank, if I see any of this shit pop up in my inbox, like where you have emailed me a gift of these books, I will return them. I will <laughs> I will print them out and 95 fucking theses nail them to your door in protest. All right. I do I do not want that on my fucking Kindle, Frank. So I guess now would not be the time to tell you that uh, he has got a podcast produced by the Welcome to Night Vale people where various famous uh, personages, well famous in an internet sort of way, personages right. read his short stories. All right, what's it called? What's it called, you might ask? What's it called? Pounded in the butt by my own podcast, by Chuck Tingle. <laughs> oh, I, I should have guessed. I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you are the reason 
and I am now typing pounded in the butt into pocket casts. This is this is on you, Frank. You're gonna get some weird ads after this, Derek. Oh god. After this podcast I get weird ads already. Um my phone doesn't even my phone doesn't even want to type that. Like, <laughs> I've had to like, autodirect no, this four times. No, Derek, don't do it. All right. <laughs> we we got it. Uh so <laughs> This is so fucking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh my god. Oh, they're all like half an hour long. Holy shit. Oh god. Uh, Can we please go to the deep dive? And it's not about butt stuff, please. Well, it is about making friends at work, so. (laughs) You have tainted my beautiful positive message. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, deep dive to the rescue. All right, Derek, please take us away like Calgon. (laughs) All right, today on the deep dive, I want to talk about making friends at the office. Now, we have often focused on the more negative aspects of office life, you know, uh, you know, noisy eaters, uh, <laughs> noisy eaters on conference calls, no- noisy eaters in your cubicle, uh, really focusing on noisy eaters. No, we, we've talked about uh, bad bosses and all the things that make office life not necessarily unbearable, but a little bit less pleasant. But today I want to focus on The good part of working in an office with a lot of people is that the chances for making friends are fairly high. It's never happened, Derek. I was getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I tend to make relationships really quickly. More or less, I mean, it's it's not like first day I, I show up with like cookies and, you know, have to be best friends by end of business day the first day that I work somewhere. But I tend to, you know, I tend to, to talk and I tend to uh, mingle with people and try to figure out, like, who is uh, who who is part of my tribe? Like, who are who are people that I think that I can get along with? And, All right. um, you know, it's not often that not often that spawns into uh, a, a immediate uh, bromances, but it has happened before. So, <laughs> you know, Frank, what I'm trying to put this nicely without like without putting you on blast too much whenever you get into a new role what do you do to, to try to find friends at the office it's it's one of those things that seems to happen uh i don't necessarily go in like oh i'm i'm starting on a new team i'm going to make some friends mhm uh, i'm i'm kind of a work at work and not work at not work kind of person which which I say and then recognize that the entirety of my friend group consists of people that I have worked with in the past. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, I think so, those tend to naturally develop over time. Right. Yeah, and I, I would not necessarily put myself on a spectrum of overly friendly people. So, and, and I was about to go directly into that. I think <laughs> that that whenever you go into a new office... You kind of scope out the people that are there, and you kind of get this idea 
of almost like uh, almost like the levels in a video game. You you can tell who is going as far as friendships are going to be easy mode and which ones are essentially like late game bosses. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you start with like the cheery people, you know, they're easy mode. They're they're the they're the ones that you go to get a little bit of XP and then and then you work your way up. And uh, I consider my friendship with you to be, you know, kind of a, a culmination of a lot of other, uh, you know, XP grinding <laughs> efforts. And then finally, I was able to uh, to defeat the the final boss and become the friend of the monstrous Frank Eastman. So. I'd like to think that I'm the Hammer Brothers from Mario. <laughs> I, those, those uh, I mean, you, you do have that fancy little helmet, so that's true. I mean, that's that's nice. That's mostly to protect myself. Protect that soft spot that never grew over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's just like all all bosses, you know, all video game bosses have one weakness, and yours is the the soft cranial opening on the top of your head. Uh, I'm sorry that we just put that out on the podcast. So I was going to say, Derek, no, you, now, now <laughs> everyone will know where my giant glowing red spot is. I'm the fucking prima strategy guide on how to beat Frank Eastman. <laughs> uh, that's it. Contra will never be the same again. Making friends at work is something that I, I really enjoy. Um, maybe not necessarily because uh, because I am a little bit of an, of an introvert. Like it's it's odd. I'm at my core. I'm an introvert. So, you know, social interactions and things like that, they they take it out of me. They They drain my my batteries more than a lot of things will. Um, but I still enjoy it. I still enjoy making those connections with people. So, so the, so the beginnings of, of making friends with people is sometimes a little bit taxing, uh, on somebody like me who has a limited social battery, uh, because it takes a lot of work to try to kind of find, you know, kind of find what different people, uh, like to talk about and things like that. Uh, once you get over the initial phase of kind of figuring out who your buddies are going to be, uh, then the work can begin of actually like making them li- not not making. I'm not not trying to be manipulative here, but uh, <laughs> but you know, putting on the charm and you know being likable and getting them to like you and and finding out more about them and things like that. You know that that type of thing I really enjoy. And you know, a lot of times I build you know pretty good, pretty strong relationships at work, and that that turns into kind of an extension of my friend circle, and that kind of leads me into my next point. I have, and similar to you, most of my friends have been you know extensions of the people that I worked with in the past, and I hang out with them a lot, and uh, a lot of them I I hung out with them while I still worked with them. So, are there any concerns with hanging out with coworkers? Outside of work, so current coworkers that you work with, what are the the pitfalls with hanging out with them outside of work? Well, and, and this is the I think the biggest sort of factor for me, and one of the reasons why I don't generally tend to easily make friends at work. Work is the kind of environment where I think, well, at least I, but a lot of people need to put on some sort of uh, social construct. And everybody's right. doing that constantly. Like there's kind of kind of a, a facade, like like projecting the the self that you're supposed to be, type of thing. Right. And and for me, there's there's a fairly significant difference between work Frank and not work Frank. Uh, <laughs> N- namely to... the uh, namely the festive colored shirts that come on. You know the the times that I've been to your home. I mean, it has been 
just just ramp it with with color and pizzazz and jazz hands. Oh yeah, oh, it's yeah. really tasteful, but it is very very vibrant. I mean, Hawaiian shirts. I'm one of the few people I think, if I can be so bold as to say it myself, that can pull off neon orange uh, so, in an eyeliner. My only complaint is that most people who wear those types of things, who wear you know the Hawaiian shirts or the the neon orange are the people that say I, th- I i think i'm one of the few that can pull it off and i'm 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 just going to go ahead here and say it frank every one of them are wrong just in general well i'll take it under consideration next time i'm at sephora <laughs> no 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 the, the the eyeliner part was not a part of that the eyeliner that that's that's you baby <laughs> you got that in one <laughs> but uh so for me it's it's kind of a long sort of sussing out period where you know yeah you're you're getting to know people because one of the things that I have to do uh as part of my job is navigate like working relationships with people who are very different from myself right. politically speaking socially speaking things like that I mean physical size like that's true. <laughs> there's there's nobody that can match your your sheer human presence in a room. All of these wee tiny people. <laughs> you you are Lord of the Lilliputians. <laughs> but uh and in having to navigate those sorts of relationships, uh it, it can take a while for me to be like, oh, this person seems to just, you know, sort of share my views. And I'm kind of naturally a a private person, so I I don't tend to offer up a lot about myself, and and so for me it can kind of be weird when people are like, "Hey, let me talk about what I did this weekend," and I'm like, "Cool, man, yeah." <laughs> nah, my week my my weekend was good. I um I mowed the lawn. <laughs> Like, that's it. That's the sum total of my, uh, you know, what, what I tend to, to divulge about myself. And not, not out of any particular sense of, like, secretiveness. Like, uh, it's not even conscious. I just don't necessarily even think to, to share a lot about the, the inner workings of my psyche. And so it, it takes a while before I, I have warmed up to people. I, I think you're right. And, and I... I suffer from that too. Suffer from the um, kind of building this this like social facade. In my case, it's it's. I don't know how many people do this, but um, I'm assuming most of them. I have essentially like different different kind of masks that I put on for for every person. Like it's you know no two people get the same version of Derek. Um, because the thing is at the end of the day, if anybody ever saw behind the mask and saw the real Derek, they would run for the fucking Hills. Like there is is nothing of value that is not derivative. There's nothing about Derek that is not derivative of something else and piece, you know, kind of piecemeal together. Uh, I forget there, there's a, there's a monster in some lore that like essentially just like takes bits and pieces of other things that it has encountered and makes, you know, it kind of glues it to itself. That's kind of how, that's kind of my personality. Like I just, I, I am a hundred percent referential in both my comedy and personality. I mean, I but, think uh, to some extent that's everybody though. Like, I, I don't think that's just you. Uh, I think everybody 
kind of maneuvers through the world with this sense that, you know, they're not necessarily an authentic being and everyone else has to be an authentic being. And, and we're all just showing each other strange masks. I mean, that that's actually a good point. If everybody feels that way, then it, I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about with, you know, the imposter syndrome at one point where, you know, yeah, you feel like you're the imposter, but everybody around you, unless they're just like the most narcissistic asshole ever, is also kind of feeling the same way. Like everybody has those uncertainties. So uh, if this if this is the same with everyone, then it makes me feel a little bit better that, that my my purely. uh cobbled together personality is somewhat the norm and that's great <laughs> don't worry Derek all of us go home at night look in the mirror and slowly peel off the skin face to reveal the lizard being beneath ah <laughs> uh, and, and that makes me feel so much better so so you know like I said I build relationships pretty fast and and I enjoy uh, interacting with people maybe not so much like I, I don't like go to hangouts all that often. Like it's, it's very particular the ones that I, the ones that I do. Um, but that doesn't mean that everybody doesn't get kind of invited to things that, you know, Hey, we're throwing a barbecue. Hey, we're going to the movies. We're going to the bar. Do you want to come? That brings me to the next, <laughs> the next portion of the segment. How do you say to someone, I just want to be work friends because you know, um. there may be other people in the office that you, you know, actually hang out with, like in, in your case, uh, at you know, the place that we used to work, me and you hung out, but I didn't really hang out with anyone else on the team outside of work. How, <laughs> how do you tell somebody that other guy is cool and you don't have the same qualities <laughs> that make me want to hang out with you outside of work? Well, for me, I honestly just never mention it pointedly. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, eventually you and I ended up, you know, we started hanging out outside of the workplace on a fairly regular basis. And and I never brought that up with anybody else. <laughs> I will say, Frank, I, I don't I don't mean to, I don't want to derail. I just wanted to, to put a little, little pin in this one. Uh... <laughs> I do feel like whenever I was invited uh, to hang out with you and your friends, it felt a little bit like I was walking past an alley and somebody invited me to a speakeasy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it really felt like I was getting some sort of clin clandestine invitation. I was like, oh, what? well, I can't say no. This this is a rare opportunity. I don't I don't get these type of stereotypish or uh, surreptitious invites all the time. I did I mean, get that feeling a little bit. <laughs> it, it, and and it's completely true because, I mean, it, it's one of those things like I, I do tend to overthink things anyway. But then I do tend to suss people out, as I said, for a really long time. I mean, it was like, like a year after yeah. I started working there. <laughs> <laughs> I, t I took a long time to, to marinate before you thought I was cool. <laughs> Yeah, being my friend and being in a uh, a secret cult are are pretty pretty much similar things. Uh, but so for everyone else, like I, I've never been like oh, and that's one of the things. Like I'm just not very public about myself most of the time. So at no point was I like oh, let me talk about all the cool things that I did with Derek within earshot of everyone that I didn't do them with. Like right. 
that's just not not who I am in the first place and also not something that I would do just because it would also reveal, you know, sort of the fact that I wasn't going to hang out with certain people yeah. whose political spectrum I was not necessarily a part of. Right. And and also it kind of it, it kind of avoids that situation where somebody invites you to something you you say I mean, basically, like everybody does for anything that's ever, that they get invited to ever, is they say, "Oh, I've got something, I, I've got some family thing, or I'm I'm going to die tomorrow, or whatever, whatever it takes to get out." <laughs> Can't of Can't make it to drinks tonight. I am literally just going to turn into a corpse at five p.m. <laughs> right, um, which I guess is not too far from the truth. But uh, but you know, you say, oh, "Oh, I've got this other thing. I've got to I've got to go <laughs> get my car worked on," and then you show up on Monday talking about the the fun time you had, and that person walks up is like, "I thought you had to get your car worked on." It's like, "Uh oh, bump it up, bump 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 That's why I tend not to. I don't lie about stuff. Like, I'm, it's not necessary. It's one Frank. of those things. I don't lie about a lot of stuff. Frank. I lie about fewer things than <laughs> other people do. Okay, there we go. <laughs> But I tend to, uh, like, for me, the the thing that I have found is just saying I can't or I am otherwise engaged is, you know, most people aren't going to press you too hard. So, you know, people are like, oh, hey, let's go do a after work social thing on Tuesday at six. And I'm like, "Mm, sorry, I can't. And I don't necessarily elaborate after that. That is so simple. But it is something that I have the worst time doing. I don't know what it is. Whenever somebody invites me to something, like, and, and I occasionally, and, you know, I'm not saying that, that I do this all the time or never, but occasionally I will, you know, come up with something that, that is vague enough to, to not be an outright falsehood, but, you know, isn't necessarily 100% representative of the truth. Um, but I, I just can't stop at, oh, I can't, or, you know... Or, you know, one of the more, maybe slightly more honest uh, versions of I don't feel like it or, you know, I'm tired, I'm going to go home. You know, I I have to give them a viable excuse, or not excuse, but a viable reason to to, to basically make it seem like, like I don't, like it's not like I don't want to go. Which it it always is. It is in fact that I do not want to go. It is in fact that I don't want to go. Not because I don't like them. Um, I mean, maybe sometimes it is. You know, maybe they... Maybe it's just like I'm the wrong crowd for whatever they're inviting me to do. Um, but, you know, if I if I like them, which which is a high chance that I do, uh, I don't want to disappoint them. Like, I don't want I don't want to make them feel bad. But at the same time, I don't want to be wearing pants like <laughs> I want to go home where I can just walk in and uh, what's that? uh uh, Bruce Almighty, just walk in the door and whoosh, and all my clothes are gone. That's, that is 5.15 p.m. when I get home. But uh, but no, I, I have had to kind of had an intervention uh, with, with somebody before where, you know, they were they were a nice person, but it's kind of that, that niceness where you can tell that they are just... <laughs> this was not an, an invitation just for me. Like they literally, everybody who they passed in the hall, they were like, you know, Hey, do you want to, do you want to come you know, play cards? Hey, do you want to come play cards? Hey, do you want to come play cards? And like, <laughs> at one point I may have even seen them invite somebody else 
before they got to me. Uh, and, you know, eventually I did kind of have to have a little bit of a heart to heart with him, um, which is it was super difficult for me to, to deliver bad news to people uh, or deliver bad news. Sorry, man, I can't come hang out with you. That's the, I know it's the worst news I've ever heard. Um, Listen, <laughs> I've got but, uh, super malaria, and it's incredibly contagious. But, I, I mean, I did have to basically be like, hey, man, you know, you're you're cool, but, you know, I I, I like what we got going on here. I, I kind of friend-zoned him a little bit with the, uh, the, the work situation. You work-zoned um, him? I work zoned him. <laughs> I put little orange cones around him. <laughs> <laughs> little little stripy caution tape. tape. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that one tickles me so much. <laughs> like just breaking out the traffic cones and just blocking this person into, into their office. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's right. a lot of women in the world that would like to uh, to be able to just, you know, put up some caution tape and some traffic cones, and that would be the end of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Can we make that a thing? Like, just just every lady has, like, some of those uh, uh, collapsible <laughs> traffic cones in their pocket, so anytime that, anytime, you know, something happens... <laughs> they can just work zone somebody... somebody. Yeah, they just kind of like drop a few of the cones. It's like, oh, sorry, you can't walk here. This is a work zone. <laughs> and then they flee from from the establishment. <laughs> All right, you want to take the elevator to accounting? Yeah, let's take the elevator to accounting. Cool. I'll tell you about all the new friends I found. Oh, excellent. All right, so today I wanted to introduce a, a new bit that we're going to be doing uh, hopefully every episode, unless I am a terrible person and forget, uh, but we're going to call it the Indie Podcast Corner. This is my opportunity, or Frank's if he happens to, to find a good one, just our opportunity to tell you guys, tell our listeners about some of the, the great independent podcasts that we have found in the past week or uh, in previous weeks. And, you know, I know that we've mentioned a couple of other podcasts that are really good, you know, kind of collaborators and they share our content and things like that. Like, uh, you know, What Does It Matter, Super Movie Brothers, More Gooder Than, The Pod Couple. Um, so they kind of got their, their, their two minutes uh, in prior episodes. Maybe we'll revisit them later. But, uh, yeah, just going to pick a new podcast every week and just kind of tell you guys about them and why I think you should be listening to them, too. All right. And the one for this week uh, is called Two Girls on a Bench. Uh, it's uh, two lovely gals uh, named Trisha and Shauna. And they essentially, uh, I, I would assume they sit on a physical bench because they reference the bench a lot. So it's either uh, just a really good mental gag uh, or they actually are physically sitting on a bench. Um, See, and immediately and, I'm like, what's the mic situation like for that? Like, if we're both facing in the same direction sitting on a bench, you'd get a lot of crosstalk. Yeah, I, I would think so, but they they, they pull it off. Uh, it actually, they have really great sound quality. So maybe this is more of a metaphorical bench of sorts. But yeah, they, uh, they're, they're both, I believe they're current writers. I, I, I think it would be... Uh, untoward to call them aspiring because i believe they write for uh you know plays and tv shows and things like that 
but they're hilariously funny and uh they talk you know about their kids about their work and they they talk a lot about like snacks and stuff which is well right i'm up my alley yeah um <laughs> I, I will say the only thing that <laughs> the only part of their show that uh that kind of gets my goat a little bit uh is they have this slide whistle and it makes an Ooh. appearance every now now and again and it's not uh distasteful uh, it's I, I would say if anything it's it's tasteful <laughs> as Derek, tasteful application of a slide whistle as I've ever heard. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go ahead and call you out there, Derek. I don't know <laughs> as you can have tasteful slide whistle. Well, that's like the, tasteful full frontal. Like <laughs> uh. <laughs> But no, they they are they are fantastic. They're super funny. Um, if you if you like our banter, uh, imagine that, but funny. And well, <laughs> shit, Derek. I think I'm gonna have to put a stop to this bit right now. Uh, <laughs> cut. No. Uh, All right, this is getting taken out. No nope. uh, post. <laughs> Goodbye. I don't want to start driving both of our listeners over to a better podcast. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, they. You can find them at. Two Girls on a Bench, uh, just like it sounds, uh, on Twitter, um, or you can find them on all podcatchers. You know, you know, Derek? Oreo Thins. They're pretty great, to be honest. As, as far as snacks go, yeah. I have to say that I am surprised by how much I really like the Oreo Thins, because, you know, they've got the double stuffed. Right. And the Oreo Thin is like the opposite of the double stuffed Oreo. Right. And yet somehow I like it much better. Well, and the thing is, I think Oreo Thins were meant to be um, kind of a a dieter's way to experience Oreos without, like, all of the, the calories. The problem is, is that my approach is to eat twice as many of them. Yes. <laughs> so, and and no, 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 what I what I what I actually do is I take them and I stack them two one on top of another and I eat them. <laughs> So it is literally, I am recreating a double stuff Oreo. (laughs) Oh, you've, you've ruined the point, Derek, but yet I will also (laughs) see the point that that's probably really good. Do you like craft beer? Uh Uh-huh. Do you like an unending wealth of puns? Uh Uh-huh. What about four-hour lectures on the ethics of cryptocurrency usage in third world nations? No! Oh, right. But do you still want craft beer reviews and comedy, right? Uh Uh-huh. Then listen to Hop Nation USA, a craft beer podcast. Available on iTunes, Podbean, Google Music Play, and Stitcher. Are you shitting me? No, I'm not. Just listen to the podcast. Hop Nation USA. Where all fine podcasts are sold. Movies are bombing all over the country. They are posing as movies you already know. They may be in your theaters, your neighbor's home, or even your own. Why are you doing that voice? I don't know. (coughs) I thought it made me sound cool. It doesn't. I'm Jason Bishop, host of the Invasion of the Remake podcast with co-hosts Sam Stepanenko and Trish Coughlin. Join us each week as we rotate talking about your favorite films and their not-so-favorite remakes. We'll also dig deep to find forgotten films that we think are more worthy of remaking, complete with our own fantasy casting. You can get all 130 episodes and counting on... 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and all the best podcast providers, even freaking YouTube. For the low, low price of absolutely nothing, join the invasion. Subscribe today. Or we'll blow up your planet. All right, Derek, want to get to an audience question? Let's do it. I may want to begin job hunting soon. Every time I see resume templates, I see sections for hobbies and interests. Are there some hobbies I should not list, like playing Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering or being into dance theater? Are there good interests to lie about and say I do have, such as sports or Bitcoin? Sent in by resume request in reform. So my my first thought is that <laughs> your instinct to not include D and D and Magic Magic the Gathering, uh, probably a good idea to leave those off. Um, I but at the I same would time, I would disagree. Like today's world, and it it continues to surprise me. Like the proliferation of, and I guess it shouldn't surprise me. Like all the folks that are are coming into their sort of career own right now are the nerds from 20 30 years ago right and and now like to be someone who plays D is completely mainstream like right actors are all like oh yeah i love playing D." there's like a, a humongous proliferation of uh actual pay- play D podcasts right uh there's D shows all kinds of stuff like that. So I would almost say like used to five, 10 years ago, 100% that have been like, no, don't put Dungeons and Dragons as a hobby. You will be laughed out of the office. Right. But for some, for some things, you know, some uh, industries, it might be a positive now, especially something like software development. If you're, if you're right. like an actual software developer, like my boss I don't think it would have been a positive had I listed Dungeons and Dragons in my hobbies. <laughs> right. And I think you have to play to the audience a little bit. You know, if you are going into an accounting firm, uh, you you might like uh, that that might be a Hail Mary to get to the the one person uh who's cool in the company that might appreciate the fact that you had the the fortitude to actually put that on a resume. Um but going going back a little bit you know, kind of uh, backpedaling a little bit on on what I said. To be honest, like if you're if you're in a a creative field or something like that, uh, having Dungeons and Dragons experience may not be the worst because if you actually now they would have to do some sort of like uh, some sort of trial run where they would force you to play D and D with them, and if you were. Uh, good enough at like the improv and the role playing, then I think that that you would you know then prove your your value to the company. I think um, this is an opportunity to break out the 1970s uh, Gen Con competition modules. Okay, and and you're gonna have like that's gonna be part of the panel interview now. Is uh, you're gonna have to make your way through Tomb of Horrors. See now. You you have uh, exposed me to that in in the not so recent or the not so uh, distant past, and I I did not experience that in my uh, earlier days of playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I will say that's a stupid fucking set of puzzles. Like, 
things that things that uh, <laughs> that could be mistaken for puzzles back in the day do not fly anymore. That was some obscure, random bullshit <laughs> that that made sense to no one. Like you they say were just now, Derek. But how many of those puzzles were the original puzzles, and how many of them were my own? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Indeed, Derek. I I have since listened to an actual play podcast of uh, the the Tomb of Horrors, and you the the ones that I'm talking about are the ones that were also in theirs. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those no, are like, some dumbass puzzles. The the 1970s ones were pretty stupid. When I whenever I run it, I tend to be like, mm, yeah, no one's gonna get this. I'm just going to round this one down. Did did not take much to impress people back in the 70s and 80s, I suppose. I mean, everything's an iterative process of getting better, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, Gary Gygax took a couple runs at that one, and <laughs> eventually we've got 5th edition, which is not too bad. Um, but no, you know, Magic the Gathering, I think, is actually not the worst thing. Uh, I don't know, Derek. Like, I'm going to disagree with you again, and I hate to keep interrupting <laughs> and doing this. <laughs> okay, wait. So you disagreed when I said that D&D was not the best thing and now you're disagreeing when I say that Magic the Gathering is an okay idea. Make up your fucking mind, Frank. Come on. With Magic the Gathering, that's like copping to having a Coke habit. Like, they know where all your money's going. It's going to booster boxes. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's fine, but... <sighs> you're just over there scratching, waiting for the next foil. <laughs> Man, cocaine's cheaper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the last episode where where I I was uh, planning on buying that case of booster boxes, and uh, yeah, that that's just not that is not conducive to having a home and having food on the table. Um, so yeah, no, if you're so, going into accounting, perhaps don't don't cop to Magic the Gathering because then that's right. going to be the same as as copping to having been arrested for drug possession or something, and they're going to be like, nah, this person's an embezzler. Right. But, you know, the, the, the part of it that I think is actually uh, somewhat applicable uh, is the, the fact that if you, if you are actually good at magic, you know, the, the strategy and, and I mean, I guess it's kind of the same as being good at um, like some really difficult board games like, you know, Risk and other things like that. It shows that you have a strategic mind and you're able to to wrap your head around a lot of, you know, complex concepts. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of shitty magic players. Like, I, I guess I'll consider myself kind of in that, that shitty category. Cause I enjoy magic, but I was never going to win a, you know, win a tournament with it or, or anything like that, both because I did not have the money to buy the most expensive cards. Uh, but also because I just like shiny shit. Like, I am the know, worst Derek, type of magic player because I like the stuff that they call them Timmy cards. Like they are cards that are, that are meant to be, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm going to you know put it in, in the deck and hope it works. Like, <laughs> like if you're not in the pro circuit, like that's how that that's the, those are the cards you're buying. The cards that just make, make the game fun. And uh, I don't know if you got the memo, Frank, but magic was never supposed to be a game about having fun. <laughs> I, I, I learned that. that fairly early on, but I was never good at that. And my problem with magic is sort of similar, but I'm, I, I think in narratives most of the time. So I'm uh -huh. over here having a real fun story that I'm telling <laughs> with my deck and, uh, nobody else is in on this story. 
And right. uh, the story usually ends with me getting my ass kicked real hard. <laughs> it's like, so so the elf goes into the clearing, and then he calls in the, the horde of boars. And then, then a fireball gets dropped on him, and he's burned alive. Oh, no. Oh, Pretty much. No. <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah, I don't I think I know how to play this game right. <laughs> Uh, I would say also hobbies that you should not list, uh, taxidermy. Yeah, um, you, you get a lot of weird stares uh, if you're into taxidermy. Um, not, not because it's not an amazing art form. Like, taxidermy, uh, <laughs> Jessica and I were actually watching, uh, <laughs> watching Paddington last night. Um, <laughs> look, Frank, 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 wait, just, just two seconds, two seconds. Paddington has almost a perfect rating on on Rotten Tomatoes. We're talking like at, at, at the time that I looked it up last night, like a fucking ninety seven percent. That is like that is like top ten movies on Rotten Tomatoes. And we were like, "What is this about? Like, there's no way it can be this good." And it's a and it's a good movie. Like, it is it is a well done movie, uh, whether you're a child or an adult. But um, the mm-hmm. the villain is is a taxidermist, and so you know. They're all trying to like make her out to be real creepy, but we're just looking at it it's like, man, that is a really fucking good taxidermy. Like, <laughs> she, she's very good at her craft. But right. her craft I mean, is evil. I mean, I kind of wanted to, to her to catch Paddington so that she could make a really good taxidermy out of him. <laughs> I mean, is that wrong? Like, isn't Paddington like a stuffed bear already? Like, I, isn't I, that the whole thing? That's the same thought that I had, and I did not go back and look it up. But uh, no, in in the current iteration of it, he is a he is a real bear that learned to talk by some sort of uh, explorer is he to full, Peru. Is, okay, so is he a full sized bear? No, uh, the the rest of the bears are, but he is he is a very small bear. Oh, so the trade off for being able to talk was being a pygmy? No, he's he's like five. Frank, come on. Oh, oh, he's like a young bear. He's not. Yeah, like he's not. Just a, he's not like some middle-aged, middle-aged bear. It's like some guy. Can I stay in your house? Come on. <laughs> I think I saw that movie. It was he's from the child. guy that did uh, that did Family Guy, right? <laughs> no, that was Ted. That was another uh, somewhat bear related movie but uh unfortunately for uh for seth mcfarlane uh it does not have the same loving characters and uh story development that paddington has <laughs> <laughs> it's not rocking a 97 percent fresh rating on rotten tomatoes no um but no i mean taxidermy is an, an amazing skill but people are going to be a little bit put off by the fact that you're like scrounging around for for dead animals on the side of the road and you know, picking them up, going to home, and <laughs> making some some beautiful mantle furniture or, or mantle decoration out of it. So, are there any hobbies or interests that you would say are positives on your resume? I am the worst possible person to ask this because up until like a couple of years ago, I had one hobby, and it was literally video games. Like. <laughs> honestly i should have just put it down put it down as work history because i was putting in a lot of fucking overtime in my full-time job of video games um i occasionally would pick up a guitar and could you know somewhat uh be misconstrued as someone who plays the guitar uh but other than that i had very few hobbies i mean what 
I mean, other than like various nerdities, like uh, what what type of hobbies would would you have that you would put on a resume? I mean, the ones that I have on my resume are like narking on people who steal office supplies, <laughs> uh, cleaning up after others in the break room. Sorry, I, I'm trying to think of something funny to say, but all I can think about is is my recent experiences with people and. Uh, because uh, I, I have not had a uh, a shared break room with this much like machinery in it that people share. There, there's a fuck. The people I work with now, I love them, but they are a bunch of fucking barbarians. Like they are. They're not. They're not filling up the coffee machine. They're just leaving shit all over the place. It's like so. I see, mean, that would be a positive hobby on a resume. I would up hire break you room. tomorrow. I would hire you tomorrow <laughs> if you would be willing to clean up after these motherfuckers. Oh, my God. I'm living in a dorm. Jesus. All right, Derek. You want to take an issue from the internet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel we didn't answer that last question, but <laughs> do we ever? <laughs> I think that's the point. All right. So uh, this this issue from the internet uh, does not have a name. So, so we will call them Juniper. Wait, that's, Juniper that's, Berry. Juniper but B-A-R-R-Y. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Bear, berry Juniper. Juniper, comma, Berry. There we go. <laughs> Juniper, comma, Berry says, Would it be okay if I just read my boss's LinkedIn profile at the Boss Appreciation Day meeting at my company? Okay, the thing is, I got nominated by my coworkers to give a speech of appreciation for my boss by my coworkers as none of them wanted to. Let me take another stab at that. <laughs> I did not realize the sentence was going to end that soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the wrong emphasis on the improper <laughs> syllable. Uh, the thing is, I got nominated by my coworkers for giving a speech of appreci- appreciation for my boss by my coworkers, uh, as none of them wanted to. The thing is, my boss is an arrogant jerk and not worth my out-of-work time to think up a speech, and I'm not getting paid for this. So I'm thinking, would it be okay if I just made the speech based on her LinkedIn with a five-minute biography about her education, work experience, and whatever else is on her profile, since I'm not going to waste my time writing something nasty about her and go on her level? I think a quick reading of her LinkedIn profile to the other workers would be a decent, respectful, and easy way to not waste my effort doing something I could not care less about. So can this person, instead of uh, writing something nice about their boss, just have a five minute fucking presentation on their LinkedIn profile? Like to do absolutely (laughs) zero work only if you don't like the job and this is your swan song. Right. But then again, if you don't like your job and this is your swan song, you might as well put some effort into it. But if you if you literally just open it up and are and are like Helen Murphy, twenty five, manager at whatever company, you know, like that <laughs> I don't think is necessarily gonna fly overly well. Yeah, I would gotta, say you kinda gotta punch it up a little bit, I think. Yeah, you're gonna have to do a little bit of of processing on it to make it work but i do think that this is probably a gold mine in terms of like if someone is as narcissistic as as a pain in the ass boss generally happens to be then they're going to have collected all kinds of of little uh accolades and such from co-workers that they have 
you know, sort of leveraged out of people. Uh, you can do right. that on LinkedIn where you can like, I worked with Kathy 15 years ago and she was the best possible manager of anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> so like just scraping that shit, that would be, that would be beautiful. Like, I think that would work great. Like if, if you, if you punched it up just a little bit, put some framework around the stuff, you could probably get away with it. Right. <laughs> You could do some sort of like a uh, uh, ad lib with it, <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think a mad lib would probably be easier than than what Juniper was going for, right? But I think it's also a definite possibility. Yeah, um, because I I think you're right. I think that that somebody who is narcissistic enough like would not would probably not understand that this was really more or less a slight. Like they, they would kind of see it as like, Oh, they're wanting to, they're wanting to read my many accolades. Uh, whereas the rest of the people in the office are like, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like wide eyed looking at it. It's like, this person is just dragging our boss and the boss is eating this shit up. Like what, <laughs> what's going on? Now, if any, if she has had to do any sort of publication, uh, one of the standard things that you've got to do when you're going to, to be a presenter or you're being published in anything is they want you to write your own bio. Okay. Like, and what I'm thinking is, again, if this person is the narcissistic prick they seem like, it might actually be simpler and, and actually more pleasing to the boss to inquire as to whether or not she has a bio that she wants read. <laughs> I mean, you're you're not wrong. Like it's like, oh yes. I, I had it I've had it prepared for some time, just waiting for somebody to, to appreciate me in public. Here it is. <laughs> okay, so if if you were in the situation, uh let, let's take the LinkedIn profile out of the equation. If you had to um and let's take the current boss out of the situation because I don't I don't want to get you in any trouble. If you had to come up with some sort of boss appreciation day presentation, you, you wanted it to be at least somewhat tongue in cheek. I mean, what would be a better uh, better way to kind of you know send out those? You, you do it in the bars. format of a roast. Okay. <laughs> And I mean, I mean, the, the roast is always a difficult thing to pull off, but at the same time, it's one of the few formats in which you can be completely honest about a terrible human being. And everybody you still just laughs. Have, and everybody still laughs. I've seen it done badly. It's very easy to do badly, but at the, like, I think at the end of the day. <laughs> Doing a roast of grandma at her 75th birthday is probably not... <laughs> the the right studio to do that in. I mean, I've uh, learned the hard way. It's not necessarily the best format for a eulogy, but. <laughs> oh, 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 oh man, that's way worse than what I said. <laughs> so my question is, if you're going to roast the boss, where do you get the material from? Like, like, obviously you can kind of, you know, come up with some of it on your own. Like, do a little bit of uh, off the dome piece uh, commentary on them, um, but if you actually wanted to get some relevant dirt, like are you like you know trolling Facebook, looking on, uh, looking up for like 
exes or like previous coworkers? What are you going to do? I mean, if you're roasting a boss, you already have all the information that you need close to hand, which is your experience with them. Yeah. Because they're going to provide the material. Like, those things write themselves. It's not exactly a very difficult thing to go after in terms of mining content. It's uh, it's figuring out how to present that content that's not going to get you summarily fired about 60 (laughs) seconds later. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, making some sort of uh, uncouth joke about the bosses... Tiny, tiny penis is probably not going to go over well. <laughs> I mean, you you may be like a legend in the office, uh, but it will definitely be posthumous. Like you, <laughs> you will be gone overnight. <laughs> yeah, it's best to spend about half of your time preparing for the roast and the other half of the time packing all of your shit into a box. <laughs> and we come back to the uh, you know the question from the audience about. <laughs> what's put on your resume <laughs> uh, oh god boss roaster although you don't want to put boss roaster and then um taxidermist uh in the same resume i think that uh that would have bad implications not really want to see scene you want to be in to be honest <laughs> all right you want to punch the clock all right Derek. let's punch the clock All right, we want to say a big thank you to everyone that is sending questions, shared our content on social media, or downloaded and listened to our episodes. We appreciate it more than you know, and please keep it up. Email or tweet us your questions or any funny issues from the internet, and we'll read them on air. Our email address is questions at WLICast.com. Our Twitter is at WLImbalance. And our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash WLICast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm pounded the butt by Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. <laughs> pounded in the butt by my own podcast. <laughs> See, if if I hadn't realized that that was the name of the other, uh, the actual podcast, I would have done that one, but I was like, ah. Yeah, I can't, can't mind that particular butt again. <laughs> I mean, nobody's, nobody's been patting the butt by Derek Lewis, so. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are forging new territory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can cut that if you want. That's fine. <laughs> oh, Derek, you know that's staying in. That's probably going at the front of the podcast. <laughs> that's, that's our new promo. <laughs> that's, the, that's the new lead-in, man.